Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. here just uh, if you can just sit back and relax and take a look we are going to wrap it up uh, this morning briefly and and again that was just a real good overview and the one thing I think that we've gotten through is this idea as they had said is that life is like a vapor right life is like again almost like smoke or a fog and has this appearance like you think right the moment, and how many can attest to this, you think you got everything going the right direction, everything's going well, and then boom, right? Something goes, something goes haywire. Can I, am I the only one here? Okay, I just want to make sure I'm in good company. It's true though, right? There's no guarantees. There's no guarantees. You know, we've talked about it. You know, you go, there's the doctor visit, or you, the, the investment goes south, or your company shuts down and you lose the job and, and everything goes into turmoil. It just We do not know what's next. And again, I like the way they brought out in that video that when we say the word meaningless, it doesn't mean that everything's hopeless or that there's no meaning. It just means that we don't control the way that we think we do. And when you think that you're in control, you're only fooling yourself. And so we, we find ourselves here in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and uh, right at the very end, I appreciated Chris last week and, and what he brought uh, with uh, what he had shared. And, and so we're going to springboard off of that into wrapping this up today. And so uh, chapter 12, and we'll begin in verse 8. And I'm sure that this is going to ring a bell of familiarness to you. And he says, absolute futility, says the teacher. Everything is futile. Another word is meaningless. And again, and, and as you see uh, here in the English standard, I'm from the Christian standard uh, that I'm reading from, but this is the ESV, and it says, vanity of vanities, it's the same. And that's this word, hevel, as they said. And it's this idea of being meaningless, being vapor. And so with what we started at the beginning, he brings it to a close here at the end by repeating this conclusion that he came to. And then reading on in verse 9 as he begins to wrap things up. It says, in addition to the teacher being a wise man, he constantly taught the people knowledge he weighed, explored, and arranged many proverbs. The teacher sought to find delightful sayings and write words of truth according, or, sorry, accurately. The sayings of the wise are like cattle prods, and, and those from masters of collections are like firmly embedded nails. The sayings are given by one shepherd. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for this day. I thank you for this time, Lord, just to share your word. God, I pray that you will just speak to our hearts, open our eyes and our minds, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so, again, as he said, and it's one confusing part about the book, if you don't capture that at the beginning, and we did go over it a few times, but I'll just touch on it briefly again, is that you have two characters, basically, and the author at the very beginning gives like a one-sentence opener, and then he writes about the teacher, all right, this, this 
this preacher in some translations it says, or teacher, uh, colette is the word for that. And this is who we're kind of looking at. And some people uh, believe that that's, it's Solomon that's writing these things, that he's the one. Um, others uh, take the approach more that it's just a person sort of speaking as if they were King Solomon. Um, either way is fine to approach it. Uh, it's, it's not essential to salvation, so we, we give grace there, okay? Um, so whichever you feel like, I would encourage you to research it yourself. But what we do see, though, is, is the author now pull back out of this and take a step back. And so here in the section that we're in now is it's not the teacher, the person in the character or in the story, the character in the story, but it's actually the author stepping back and now kind of wrapping things up for us. And so that's who's speaking here. And so he says, again, uh, in addition to the teacher being a wise man, he constantly taught the people knowledge. Okay, so he was educating people. He was sharing with people. He was teaching wisdom. And that's that was the role of the teacher that. So wisdom is not bad. We should seek wisdom. We should seek to gain understanding, but our hope should not rest in that wisdom alone, all right? If that makes sense, it should not rest in that alone. Verse 11, it goes on and says, The the sayings of the wise are like cattle prods, and those from masters of collections are like firmly embedded nails. Again, these prods, they don't sound very fun, do they? Um. If you've walked, if you've been a Christian for a while, you can probably uh, relate to sometimes when, when God is prodding us, and there's sometimes some painful circumstances might come, but down the road, we're able to look back and see how God actually used that to bring things around, to bring us into the place where he wanted us. And so again, it's there for our benefit, and oftentimes a, a shepherd, you know, they have a, a stick and a hook, you know, that, that they carry. And they use that not to just beat the sheep, but if the sheep is going towards the edge of a cliff and the, the, the shepherd takes that and prods them, is it for their benefit? <laughs> yes, right? It is for their benefit, and it is for our benefit at times when pain comes. And as we've read through the book of Ecclesiastes, we've seen many times where they talked about where we should be spending our time, that it's good to be in the place where there's, there's sorrow or there's grieving, those are not times that we should skip over. We should not seek just joy and fun and entertainment, though life may bring that at times and it's not wrong, but we don't just seek to push through the pain because really, if we're honest with ourselves, most of the change in our lives happens during our pain. Yet, we live in a time and a day and age really where discomfort, even at the smallest level, wants to be pushed to the outside. We want, I mean, just earlier today, I don't know if you saw me around, I was trying to get the ACs to come on because I'm just, a bead of sweat went down. I do not want to be uncomfortable. And so most of us feel that way. And so we are, our society is geared such a way that we just remove discomforts all the time. But the reality is, is that God speaks to us through those times of trial, through those times of suffering. And so when we're going through a valley in life, we don't build a camp there. But at the same time, don't just try to just blow it off and not, not pay attention to what God's trying to teach you at that time. And so these are times that can be very beneficial in our lives. And again, drawing from that verse where he talks about these, these firmly embedded nails, what it's saying is that those are something that you can hang truth on. Okay, Wisdom is something, God is something that, where you can hang your truth on these nails. And again, when God is doing things that there are, are times in our life 
where we experience uh, what God is trying to teach us, and those are places that we can put our, our hope in, are the things that God has shown us, not the things that the world has. And so, uh, verse 12, it says, But beyond these, my son, be warned. Okay? And I want to kind of I want to dial in here a little bit. It says, There's no end to the making of many books, and much study wearies the body. Okay? Much study wearies the flesh, as it says. And if there's kids in here, they're probably like, they're going to memorize this scripture and bring it to you every single day. See what the Bible says? Uh, I'm weary, and I need a nap and a Twinkie. Um, and so, again, though, but what it's saying is that everybody has an opinion. Everybody has, and we probably know people like this, there's people in this world that just have no problem sharing their thoughts with you. You know what I'm talking about? Again, husband and wife don't look at each other. They, they have no problem expressing what they think you should do. Let me just, I'm, I'm going to be your pastor for a minute. Men, husbands, okay? I just celebrated, my wife, Leanne and I celebrated 17 years of, of uh, marriage, that is. Um, and we were laughing about it because we actually didn't remember it. Uh, we were in our life group and somebody mentioned our anniversary. And we looked, looked at each other like, oh yeah, today's our anniversary. <laughs> Fortunately for me, she forgot too. That's why I'm still standing here. But, but it's been 17 years, and men, and I know that there's a lot of people that have been married longer than we have. If it's one thing I've learned, <laughs> you can hang the hook on this, if, if you will, is that a lot of times when your wife comes to you and is sharing something with you, it's not necessarily so that you can tell her how to fix it. Am I alone? Then we got the marks to show it. Um, no, they want you to listen. And, and there are times if I'm quiet and I'm patient enough, and it's kind of like Sasquatch, you know, Bigfoot, you might see it, you might not. There have been a rare, I'm sorry, I got to stop, don't I? There have been times <laughs> where Leanna eventually will come and say, honey, what do you think? Those are the words you're looking for. Honey, or insert your little tagline, what do you think? And then, then you've got the rant. You can say what you need to say. If you do not hear those words. Yep. All the guys are nodding here. We're all laughing. It's a, it's a nervous laugh. It's not an actual funny laugh. We're all like, yeah, yeah. Well, he's saying it. He's saying it, not me. Talk to the pastor. <laughs> but it's true, though. I mean, they, when, when your wife then says, what do you think? Otherwise... Just listen and, and, and wait for that, and they just, they just want you to be there for them. And so I just want to encourage you in that. And my point is this. I'm, I'm going to come to my point because <laughs> I need to get out of the hole that I've stepped in. <laughs> but that where it says making of many books and much study wearies the body, there comes a point <clears throat> where you can't just listen to everything that's around you. Everybody's going to have their input. Everybody's going to have their say. And if you've ever done this, you go to one person, they give you one bit of advice. You go to the next person, they give you different advice. And by the time you go to four or five people, you don't know what to do. You're back at square one. And you end, you end up never actually doing anything because you've worked yourself into such a tizzy and you're like in this whirlwind, you don't know what to do. And so what it's saying is don't weary yourself going from person to person to person. I'm all about having one or two people in your life that can speak into your life wisdom, godly people, wise people. If you remember that message a few weeks ago, if you weren't here, listen to it. Wise, few people, right? 
Few, foolish people, evil people, and wise people. Three, not kinds of people, but we can all actually function in, one, in those roles at different times in our life. Get around wise people, <clears throat> have a few of those in your life, and speak to them. That's not a problem. But don't go from person to person because you'll never actually get to what you want or the answer that you need. And ultimately, ultimately, we should go here. We should turn to this, God's word. We should spend time praying with and asking God, God, what do I do here? Show me what to do. Give me your wisdom, not man's wisdom. Because even wise people, we can miss the mark. I said we, sorry. But <laughs> wise people can miss the mark at times too. They're human. So I just encourage you, go to the word of God. Spend time in prayer. When you have a decision to make, that's where you need to go. Don't go from person to person or call all your girlfriends or whatever because it'll just drive you crazy. And, and that's what's really being said here. <clears throat> and then in verse 13, it says, when all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Listen, the whole book of Ecclesiastes, we are in chapter 12. We've been, I think, was it 16 weeks maybe, something around there? I've lost count. It's been so many. All these weeks through Ecclesiastes has boiled down to this moment. And so I need you to, to listen closely because it says, he's saying it for you. Here's the author. He's saying, when it all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. It is this simple. Life is this simple and this hard. Fear God and keep his commands because this is for what? All or the whole of man or humanity. If you're in this room and you are part of humanity, please raise your hand. This is a pop quiz. I just need to see how we're doing. Okay, we got about half the room that figures this out. All of you, raise your hand. Let me help you out. Come on now. Okay, I see you. I'm looking. All right. I turn this way and everybody puts their hand down over here. It's like you're playing with the pastor here. Okay, so my point is we are all part of humanity. Can we agree on that? So this applies to us. Fear God and keep his commandments. Sometimes we can overcomplicate the Bible. We can overcomplicate life way more than it needs to be because it really can be boiled down here. Fearing God and keep his commandments. Now, some of you, I understand people may be here that don't understand or maybe you have a negative view of this word fear. And, and, and rightfully so. I can understand that. <clears throat> when I was in high school... Uh, I think it was my sophomore year, there was a teacher, <clears throat> a large guy, tall guy, big guy. And he was just one of those people that when he stared at you, it was like he was staring into your soul, okay? Like he would just sit there and look at you. If you did something wrong or if you were in trouble, it's like he's the last person <clears throat> that you wanted to be in trouble with. I say this because I was in trouble with him. I had to actually have my mom come in, and it was, anyway, those were previous days. But we had to meet with him, and I was just, I was terrified of this guy. And he just had this look, and, and what it was, though, but it, obviously it wasn't like he was going to put his hands on me or, uh, you know, hurt me like that. But what it was, it was more of a respect and a, a, a good kind of fear, if you will, um, there was just a tremendous amount because he was, he just was this guy that was larger than life. And, I, and to be honest, I probably kind of looked up to him. 
And what was interesting, though, is uh, I graduated from high school, in case you were wondering. Um, I did graduate from high school, and then I came back and ended up coaching uh, my soccer team, football team. Um, and so I would be at the school a lot of times being one of the coaches. He actually coached wrestling. <clears throat> and so I went up to him, and when I saw him, I said, hi, Mr. So-and-so. And, and then he looks at me, and he, he smiled. And he's like, oh, no, it's not Mr. It's, it's his first name was Aaron. Oh, it's Aaron. Call me Aaron. Da, da, da. And I saw like this whole different person come out of this, this creature that I had been, that had been up here in my life. And, and we, yeah, we, and so we actually, not we didn't become friends, but we were almost like colleagues at that point, even though I just graduated. It was just really strange and hard for me to overcome this because, but what happened is we built relationship, right? And so pretty soon it became a lot more, you know, I'd see him and we would, he would joke around and stuff with me and that he never would do before. And so the interesting thing was is that what started in fear or for this, the sake of what we're going through today, a reverence, if you will, it turned into something much better in a, in a relationship. And it's really a lot the same way with, with God the Father. All right? We are to fear God. And what that means, while, again, he is God of this universe and there, he can do anything he wants, but it's really a, a reverence, if you will. And the reason I didn't use, some of you might be sitting there thinking like, well, why don't you just use like your dad or your father? I understand that, unfortunately, in today's times, a lot of people in this room, if we're honest, that, that doesn't necessarily bring a warm view or, or memory. And sadly, that's, as I shared many times, is that's, I believe, one of the biggest attacks that the enemy's done is, is against the family, where the father or the man in the house, there's a, a negative view of him because he's done something wrong to the kids, whether it's abusive or just not present. So there's this negative uh, uh, thing there. And so, so if, you can, if you have that image in your head of your father and it's good, then yes, that's how it's supposed to be. That's why we call God our Heavenly Father. And so there should be this, this reverence and this, this fear, if you will. And from that, <clears throat> we may have a, a, a healthy fear of our parents and so in our, in growing up in our homes, we probably kept the rules, not because we necessarily wanted to, but we were, we were afraid of the consequences, right, if you got caught, right? And so that was, that's the idea, is, is we kept those because we were f- afraid, if you will, but then eventually, and, and the, the hope is, and where we should become with God, is that we, we keep his commands, why? Because we love him, because we have relationship with him. Not because we're afraid of what he's going to do to us, but because we love God. And so why wouldn't you want to keep your commands? Just like with your parents, you want to honor them. You want to respect them, and you want to obey them. That's what we're trying to do with our kids is bring them up to the place where they, just, they want to do well because they want to please us because they love us. And so fear God and keep his commands because this is for all humanity. In verse 14, for God will bring every act to judgment, including Every hidden thing, whether good or evil. If you remember uh, in the New Testament, when Jesus talks about uh, the men with the talents. You remember that? The three men that were given the different talents, and a couple of them invested, one of them buried one and just sat on it. It really always bothered me that the guy that buried it and he returned the same talent that he was given, he didn't lose it, he didn't squander it, but he didn't do anything with it. 
and he was the one that got in trouble, right? The other ones you could say took risks to invest, but there was a return. And so many of us, I believe, we sit on our talents, we sit on the things that God has given us because we're, well, whether we're afraid or we're not sure, or maybe, like we talked about earlier, maybe you're just spinning in circles, talking to people. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do something in the church someday. I just got to figure out the right place. Or when everything aligns and I happen to, like, stumble out of bed because the, the cat opened the curtain, the sun shot in, I actually woke up on time and I can get to church to help set up or whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll do something then. You know, we set up all these things and we never actually get to doing it, do we? You make time for what's important. You make it a priority for what's important in your life. And again, whether it's here at the church or it can be your devotional time, it can be whatever it is, your prayer time, what's important in your life? And I want you to really think about that question because we can do the lip service all day long. It's, we, if you've been in church for a minute, we have the answers that right at the tip of our tongue. We can say the right things. But if you're honest with yourself and you sit there and you're sitting in that seat today and I want you to think about your life and, and you gauge it by what you, where you put your time and your effort. And then I want to ask you again, what is important in your life? What is priority in your life? You know that answer, and God knows that answer. And the reality is, and this is what's very sobering about this last, this last scripture, or this last verse, good or bad, you know, you probably don't have going out to murder somebody on your list of to-dos today. Good or bad, you will be judged by what you did with your time, with this vapor, with this moment on earth. What did you do for God with what you've been given. Because the reality is, listen, each and every single person in, in this room has been given a gift. <clears throat> the fact that you woke up this morning and you have air in your lungs means that God has given you something to do today. Some of you may be thinking there like, I'm not good at anything. I don't have anything. What could I do? I promise you there is something that you can do, and there's someone that you can reach today. So don't ever take it for granted that you got out of bed this morning. And I say that to my, I mean, it's something we do every morning, right? And we can just, we get in the busyness of life, and we get in the flow of things, and we're trying to get things done. And I think we can, if we don't stop, we can easily forget that you've been given a precious gift and that your life has meaning. Again, Ecclesiastes, it's meaningless in the sense of if we try to hold on to it. It makes a little more sense, right? Just like that talent. If you take that talent and you just bury it, if you take your life and just do your thing and not really reach out or dare to do something that's risky, if you will, or invest your life into something, you're not going to be left with much at the end. And you'll be judged for that. I'm not saying you're going to stay, be kept out of heaven. If you know Jesus, then that's, you're going to go to heaven. But don't squander the time you have here on earth. 
It's valuable. Just as we wrap up here in the next few moments, if you have your Bibles or if you're on the um, YouVersion app, if you could turn over to Matthew. In chapter 11. And uh, verse 16, it it says this, and this is uh, Jesus speaking. It says, to what should I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to other children. We played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We sang a lament, but you didn't mourn. As to verse 19, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. And so they're mocking, trying to mock Jesus here. But then in verse 20, it says this. It says, then he proceeded to denounce the towns where most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. And so it's talking about, again, Jesus is, is, is going to go through this whole thing where he's denouncing these towns and and. What's amazing to me <clears throat> is that oftentimes I hear, and maybe you've heard this before, or maybe you've even thought this, you know, if Jesus would just show up for a minute in my, in my room, or if Jesus would just do this in my life, God, if you would just come through on this, I'll, I'll do whatever you ask. Have you ever had those conversations, worked out those deals with God? If you just get me out of this situation... I'll do I'll go to wherever you want me to go. And this is always it, it just baffles my mind though I can I, I'm sure I would be counted probably with these people as well. But here are people that saw Jesus doing miracles. It says most of his miracles were done and it says though they denounce or he was going to denounce them because they did not repent. And I've I've mentioned this before but it really comes down to an, an, an issue of our heart and that we need to repent and we need to get serious with God. And it's coming back to this fearing God and keeping his commands. You see, if you're in a dry season today and if, if you're struggling or like, oh God, where are you? A lot of times if you trace things back a bit, you can get back to a place wherever you, you know, were kind of, you felt like you were walking in stride with the Spirit of God. And he probably asked you to do something, or you felt like God was telling you to do whatever it was. It can be big, it can be small. But what it was is it was an opportunity for you to be obedient to what God was asking you to do. And again, I don't know what that is or how big or how small, but a lot of times things go quiet in our life because we're disobedient. And what's sad is we have Jesus and we have the cross there available to, for forgiveness to come in and, and we can be cleansed from that sin. But what happens though is I think sometimes either we, we dismiss it or it's just a small thing and we're just, we don't repent of sin. And so therefore, how can, do you truly fear God? How can you ever keep his commands if you don't 
reverence him or respect him when he has made it very clear his thoughts about sin. You see, I think a lot of us have sin in our life that's like a, a little pet, some little thing that's just, oh, it's not a big deal. I don't need to mess with that. It's, it's been around in my life for a while. It's not hurting anybody. But I'm pretty sure that if you spent time reading your word, if you spent time you know, praying and stuff, I'm sure that the Spirit of God has shown you those places in your life that need to be dealt with. Or maybe it's so large that you just don't have a clue where to start. But see, that's what separates us and our walk with God. That's what makes things quiet. And that's, that's where Jesus, again, he did all these miracles, yet people would still question. And they wouldn't come to the fact that they needed to repent of their sin. In verse 25 of chapter 11 of Matthew, it says, At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. So again, we're, we're going back to this, where, where God is revealing, not in human wisdom, and that's, you know, some of the uh, people that I come across in my life, these really super intelligent people that are just thinkers, they have some of the hardest time accepting the simplicity of the gospel. It's like, and, and I can be like this at times too, you can overanalyze and, and make it very complicated. While it's, it is, it's vast and more than we can understand, but really the truth of it is, it's not in human wisdom. And I've come across people too that think they just, they have the entire thing figured out. Now again, the word of God teaches us and directs us and helps us to understand. But if we could really come to the end where we say, I've got it all figured out, then I don't know that you're serving the same God that I do. God is infinite and vast and beyond our comprehension. And again, this is why we have this thing called faith and we trust him. We study the word of God and we can gain and glean much wisdom from it. But we should always, our entire life, we should be students of the word and of the Bible. To wrap things up here, verse 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As I said a while back, a few weeks ago, it's, Jesus truly is the greatest wise man. And Jesus is giving wisdom not from man, but from God. And so if you're here in this place today, and you just feel at your end, not that you're not going through a difficult time. We go through difficult times. What I'm saying is like if you feel like it's hopeless, all is lost, or you're struggling, I want you to be encouraged by this, this section of scripture here. And it's simply that, it's just that. It's come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, it's all about Jesus. As Matt shared earlier, the Bible, the entire Bible is pointing to Christ. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer in Ecclesiastes, in that he is the one 
that gives meaning to our life. He is the one that you can build and you can hang these life principles on and you can trust that will never fail you. Everything else is meaningless. Everything else is a vapor. But Jesus, as he's called the rock, he is the one that we can trust. He is our firm foundation. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what we can build on and build our life on. And so when you're, if you're in a place today where you don't know where to go, whether up or down, left or right, if you just think that you're not going to make it through whatever it is you're going through, put your hope in Christ. If you have come to the end of your strength, you are in the right place for God's strength to take over if you let him. Are you willing to repent today? Are you willing to say, God, I don't have the answers. I can't do this anymore. God, what you're asking me to do is so much larger. I just don't see how it's going to work. But I will step out and trust you. I will keep your commands. I will be obedient. Let me just say something. This is just me. This is not whatever. I'll just say from my experience, I believe God has more times honored and and come through for me when when I've dared to step out because I think, just like with any dad, I'd rather have my son, when he's learning how to walk, I'd rather have him try to stand and walk and fall than to just sit down his entire life and not do anything. And see, I think a lot of us, a lot of times in life, we, we're so afraid of failing. For all my perfectionists in here, you're so afraid of making a mistake that you're not willing to take a chance. I'm not saying just to blindly step out, but if you feel like God is, is calling you to this and you don't have the answers, it's okay. Do you know what that's called? It's called faith. <laughs> and I tell you, I can tell you this from personal experience, because I will not preach something I have not experienced. I have been in times not long ago where I was walking through life and I did not know how it was going to work out. I had no clue. But all I knew was what the next step was. And I would keep stepping and stepping, and stepping, and God would be there faithfully every single time, after time, after time, every step of the way. And he will bring you through. And it was through those times, I'll tell you, that was some of the sweetest times I ever had in my relationship with God. While my world was on fire, because I knew that he was with me. And I had a, a sense of how, just how close he was, and what it felt like to truly be just in the, in the palm of God. I mean, he's always got you there, but I was just very aware of it. Why? Because I was just depending on him for everything. And that's what he wants from each one of us. And we need to come to that place. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's it. That's it. So wherever it is you're at today, fear God and keep his commands. You bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I just, I'm so thankful, Lord, for you, for this this time we've had in the book of Ecclesiastes. God, I thank you for, Lord, just for speaking to us through this. It's, it's, it's a challenging book. It's hard to understand at times, but God, it's, it's your word. And we know that it's profitable, Lord, for teaching. And so, Lord, we 
know and trust that you have spoken to your people through it. God, we just thank you, Father, for making it very clear to us that we cannot do it on our own in this life. God, I pray not just on a general level, but on a very personal level that you've shown parts and places in our lives, Lord God, where we have not truly trusted you or where we've tried to hold on to things or try to do it on our own. God, I just ask, Lord, that you would just forgive us. God, that you would just um, move us, Lord, from that place to a place of dependence on you. God, where our number one priority in life, Lord, is serving and loving you and living a life that's just honoring to you and there's something that you can be proud of, Lord. God, I thank you that we learn what the fear of the Lord is, truly. And God, that we do keep your commands, Father, that we are obedient to what it is you've asked us to do. God, I thank you for the people in this place. I thank you for this message today. And I thank you, Lord God, that our hearts are changed and that our hearts are turned towards you. God, I pray for anyone here. If you're in this place today and you don't know what I'm speaking of about Jesus or this relationship with Jesus Christ, today can be that day where you enter into relationship with him. Jesus came to earth and died on a cross. His blood shed for our sins because that is the penalty of sin, is death. He took our place, but the good news is that he rose again and he just desires relationship with you. And so if that's you today, I would just invite you to say yes to Jesus, to repent of your sin, and to acknowledge him as Lord and Savior of your life. And if you do that today, I ask that you would just speak to me after service. I'd love to just talk to you a little more and, and get you uh, started on your way. But it is a journey, and we're so thankful for grace and for mercy for when we do make mistakes, because we will make mistakes still. But we're thankful that we serve a perfect God and that our salvation was perfect. Lord, I thank you again for this time today, and I ask you just to let us just to enjoy the rest of our, our time here and, in, and during the meal later, Lord God, just that you continue just to build the relationships here in this church, Father, with one another. And God, we thank you that we do not have to go through this life alone, but that it is a, a journey, Lord, with, with people around us, many of whom might be in this room, and God, we're thankful for that. And so, Lord, I ask you just to bless each one here in Jesus' name. Amen.